I actually got to meet one of my idols, Femi Taylor, who was that iconic dancer in the Jabba the Hutt scene of the original Star Wars. And it was great because I'm standing in front of Femi Taylor, Femi freaking Taylor, and she sees me as the man I am today. It's the TMI Project Podcast, a series of stories about the too much information parts of ourselves we usually leave out because we're too ashamed or embarrassed. I'm Eric Harris. And I'm Kate Lee Kalnick. We're your host of Season 5, Black Trans Stories Matter. Before we get started, just want to let you know that as the TMI implies, some content might be too much information for some listeners. And remember, your support keeps our content free and accessible to everyone who wants to listen. So if you like what you hear and you're able to chip in at tmiproject.org, thank you. As you listen, please keep in mind this program was executed during the peak of the pandemic. The performances and interviews were all recorded over Zoom. While the audio quality may be a little lackluster, the content is gold and too good not to share. Let's dive in. Today we are celebrating Aaron. My name is Aaron McDaniel. I'm from Lynchburg, Virginia. I'm a husband and a father, and I'm an aspiring graphic novelist on the side. And I have been spending the past year and a half working on graphic novel illustration and writing. From growing up with gender freedom to his experience in the military and child rearing, Aaron explores alternate expressions and uncovers the true man he is. Let's hear the full story. It is 1981, and I'm a little round one-year-old butterball with fat cheeks and a royal blue tracksuit. Both my mom and my dad's parents, they gush over me and they hold me in their laps. My auntie bakes me a birthday cake shaped like an elephant and covers it in blue frosting. As a kid, I don't go to public or private school. My parents keep me at home, reading Reader's Digest and dusty old books from their college days. The bright moments that stand out for me are when my family gives me presents, like race cars, barns, helicopters, tools, and supplies for building projects. I secretly think my parents keep me home from school because I'm too dumb to attend and they don't want to be embarrassed. They tell me it's so I won't be corrupted by the outside world. I spend my childhood split between our dingy little two-bedroom apartment in a tiny town in Arkansas and Sundays at Big Mama's house. There I'm free to run around the yard all day and shoot guns in the woods, and I never get asked to help my mother and her sisters in the kitchen. I'm the youngest grandchild in my family, so I'm far from the scrutiny and the drama that my girl cousins bring to the table. I'm far from reality, and I'm far from gender. My family treats me like a boy or girl, just all smashed together. My parents call me a gender-neutral name, Tram. It's short for my middle name, Tramishiel, as they pronounce it. They never buy me dresses, and they treat the color pink like it's a hate crime. And they mostly avoid pronouns when they speak about me. I never feel like I'm in the wrong body growing up. I'm obviously a boy, and it's my body, so I'm a boy in a boy's body. But part of me is afraid. What if being a girl is contagious, like a cold? Can something make you a girl? I want to grow up to be Han Solo, but if I can't be him, at least I'll settle for that 
badass soldier type Linda Hamilton played in Terminator. So when I grow up, I join the army and it is my jam. I get to throw grenades, drive Humvees and get swole for a living. I bust through the ranks like a paper wall because in the army, gender doesn't matter. Except when it does. Private, did you hear me? Female soldiers go to that formation. Are you female or aren't you? Am I? I freeze on my tracks like a deer in the headlights. I'm in my 20s. More people start telling me I should be more feminine, less androgynous, get myself a man. I feel like I will never be girl enough for people to just get off my back about it. But I like building things, so I decide to build a version of myself that's all the woman any man could ever hope for. Socially, I'm all lace front wigs, high cheekbones, low necklines, and miles and miles of legs. I stand six foot eight in heels, okay? People look at me and they see Glamazon. My alter ego, sexy Lexi the Glamazon. I see an unhappy man in a wig. In private, I use makeup to paint a beard on my face, like they do in America's Next Top Model's Masculinity Challenge. Even with my long weave hanging down my back, my face still looks more my own with a beard. I hoard photos of myself like this, dapper and defiance. On tough days, I open my folder of photos and I feel whole. But the fine, upstanding white boys, they can't get enough of chasing after me. They're sexy glamazon. I'm their dirty little secret fantasy. But I have the socially acceptable equipment under the hood, so they can rest assured if anyone finds out about me, they have a perfectly non-gay alibi. They love my muscles and my deep voice and the way my hands are bigger than theirs. But they don't love me. Neither do I. I get married. I trade my rising star in the army for a practical, humble life as a minivan-driving Homeschool mom to five kids. I even give up my name. The name I've gone by since I was 16 years old in favor of something more feminine. I tell my husband, giving up my name feels like a sex change that I never asked for. He tells me, it's for the best in the eyes of God. When I'm married, I'm buried. I don't have to face how unlovable I am. But as soon as I separate from my husband, I come face to face with me again. I go back to wearing men's clothes and drawing on a beard in the mirror. And I come apart at the seams. I have to take medication daily because I cry incessantly all day. And at night, I bruise my own face from thrashing around and having nightmares. Just being inside my skin is torture. I'm at war with myself and I can't win. I don't know the words trans or gender dysphoria at this point. I tell my therapist, I'm a gay man. It's multiple personality disorder, she says. I'm done with this life in a thousand ways I can't even give voice to. One day, I watch an online video where a tattooed Ruby Rose is hyper femme and hyper masculine in the same afternoon. And somehow it speaks to the way I feel. Somewhere I hear about this event the Transgender Information and Education Summit in Richmond, Virginia. So I go there, and for the first time, I see Black trans people. I see Black trans women, and they embody everything that I'm not when I wear femme clothes. 
They're truly women and they love it. For the first time, I see trans men and they are so happy. They're so free. They're so truly men. I'm afraid at first. I'm afraid I'm not like them. I'm not the right type of man to transition. Then, even though I'm gay and I'm asexual, even though I love serving looks and glitter as much as I love building compost bins and slinging heavy weights, I decided to take the leap into transition. Today, I'm no one's dirty little secret, not even my own. I'm strong. I'm expressive. I'm a voice movement. I'm undefeated. I'm myself and I love myself and I'm undeniably worth loving. I am the right type of man after all. I'm the right type of man for me. We caught up with Aaron and this is what he had to say. I kind of felt like I'd been reborn, like that chapter is closed. It's behind me. I felt really emboldened to go out and keep telling stories. You know, I was a storyteller before I transitioned and I said, I'm not even going to come out. Nobody knows. In fact, before the night of the performance, I wasn't out publicly. But afterwards, I went ahead and said, you know what? I am a storyteller and the stories I have to tell matter and people need to hear them. When we were developing the stories, there were a lot of stories that were left on the cutting room floor because we couldn't tell them all. So uh, I started going back and looking at some of those stories and thinking, I want to tell those, but I wanted to be able to reach an audience of young people. And young people have no attention span. So I shifted gears and I started trying to tell my stories through graphic novels. The workshop is what triggered my desire to do this. So fast forward, I'm going to comic cons now. I'm attending writers events. I'm getting my materials together to present a portfolio to go into an MFA for children's book illustration, which I'm very excited about. What I hope that people will understand from my story is that first off, trans people are real. They're in your day-to-day life. You may know some trans people. These are not some abstract concept out there don't have that around my children. These are people in your community. They're not just trans. That's an intersectional part of their identity. Being black is dangerous enough, but being black and trans, that's a whole other level of danger that these people are facing every day. And they're not doing it for attention. They're not doing it for oppression points. This is their life. This is real. And if you can accept them, and if you can let them go about their lives and accept themselves, Now you have somebody who can live more fully into your community. They can bring their creativity. They can bring their ingenuity. Trans people are just plain real people and they have so much to bring to the table. And I hope people see that. There's not one way to be trans. There's not one stereotype that we all fall into. We're real multidimensional people with something to give. I still am a Glamazon at heart. I have uh, participated in the ballroom community a little bit. To me, you don't have to be a woman, feel like a woman, or be female identified to be a Glamazon. As long as you look good in your eyelashes and as long as your attitude is right, you can rock that persona no matter what you look like, in my opinion. On the night of the performance, I was super nervous. Just about everybody that I told they were texting me at right before I went on, they said, I can't make it, I can't make it, I can't make it. 
So my nerves are going through the roof. And I saw one name pop up on the attendees list that I recognize. And it was a friend of mine who I knew was passionate about Black trans stories. So that kind of gave me some courage and said, okay, somebody out there needs to hear this. So let me get my act together and let me go ahead and tell my story. Uh, Fun fact, for those who've noticed, my last name is now McDaniel, not Summers as it was last year. That person who showed up for the performance is now my husband. (laughs) So much of my transition experience, my coming out experience, being in the closet to begin with, all of those things had a lot to do with being in the military. And I felt it was important to share that. I was in military intelligence. That's not a very black friendly environment. There's not a lot of people of color in military intelligence. And then on top of that, to be identified as female put up a lot of barriers for me. There was a lot of fetishization. There was a lot of harassment. There was a lot of, you can't do this. A lot of doors shut my face simply by showing up. I thought that was an important thing to talk about because I know I'm probably not the only person in that boat. Succeeding in the military was all about knowing what I wanted and who I was and being able to divorce that from gender for myself. Other people kept wanting to put gender on things and label things. And I said, the hardest standard is going to be the male standard. So that's the standard I'm always going to measure myself by. If I can't pass by the male standard, then I didn't pass at all was how I treated my military career. So that put me kind of head and shoulders above people who were only trying to meet the female standard or people who were just trying to barely get by. Everybody involved in this project have been so amazing. I've stayed in touch with a lot of people from the show and we've been able to emotionally support each other. We've been able to pass information back and forth. It was really a community building experience. And I hope there's an in-person reunion at some point because I'd love to shake some hands of these amazing cast members. It's been absolutely life-changing. I 10 out of 10 would recommend. <laughs> it's been incredible. Thank you for your service, Aaron, and for sharing your truth with us. I'm Eric. And I'm Capely. Black Trans Stories Matter was created by barroom icon, actress, and TMI project storyteller, Ms. Cece Suazo. The program and workshops are led by me and Capely Kalnick. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate, and leave a review wherever you get your podcast. It really helps. TMI Project is available to offer true storytelling workshops and performances for your school or workplace. This episode of Season 5 of the TMI Project podcast, Black Trans Stories Matter, produced in partnership with Radio Kingston. It was written and edited by me, Capely Kalnick. It was mixed and mastered by Stevie Manns. Our theme song is Secrets by Edison Woods. TMI Project's executive director is Eva Tenuto. Our operations and programs manager is Blake File. Our marketing and digital coordinator is Laura Marie Ruoko. Our graphic designer is Lauren Gill. In addition to me and Capely Kalnick, our workshop leaders are Perla Iora, Ailey Downs, Rain Grayson, Ray Lipkind, Dara Lurie, Julie Novak, Blake File, Eva Tenuto, and Micah. To learn more, support our work, and find a special writing prompt so you can start telling your story, visit tmiproject.org slash podcast. <laughs>